Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, the show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey there, church. We are back at it, and uh, I, I think... I had predicted that the Cowboys were going to win this past weekend. You did say that. I can recall specifically, and I am ready to stone you. (laughs) Well, you know, if I was calling myself a prophet, then yes, I'd be guilty of that. And I'd be worthy of being stoned because... Yeah, but you did prophesy, even if you don't call that, buddy. (laughs) So... They they did not win. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Everyone bring your rocks to 110 South Preston Road, Suite 30. Are you calling for my stoning? Are you tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Are you calling publicly for my stoning right now on the podcast? (laughs) Hey, that's what scripture says, man. I want to be faithful to what the text says. Well... Yeah, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a prophet. Okay, I'm not a prophet. Evidently, evidently, evidently. obviously, I failed the test of <laughs> of that. Even, dude, you know what? It it was it was really cold, and maybe they just they froze because of how cold the yeah, air it was, was inside. Yeah, I was trying to find something. Man. Yeah, there's nothing. There's no nothing one is. There. I, I I didn't realize the vitriol that oh, yeah. people send the way of the ca- man. I read. I read the newspaper, I'm on, online, obviously. Uh, I saw posts and everything. I mean, it, it was brutal. Yeah. It was yeah. brutal. Everybody, people want everybody fired. Yes, basically. I heard that. Head coach, yeah. he's basically gone. People yeah. want his head. Poor Dak, he was apologizing in the press press conference saying, I, I, I was I was lame and they were they, they were better every way possible. And everybody's like, yeah, you're right. Yes. Yeah, amen. you need to go. I heard people amening and yeah. just saying, retire. Yeah, one of the Cowboys legends, this guy named Michael Irvin was a, a receiver for them back in their glory days. He even came out and he said, you just get rid of the whole team. Wow. Like, just wow. cut everybody and start over. That's that's rough, man. Yeah, yeah. Imagine having a bad sermon and people are like, get rid of the guy. Dude. <laughs> He's done. Just forget it. I can't say that no one's probably ever thought that before. So, (laughs) you know. Well, as long as you keep the false prophecies to a minimum. I'll try. Then I think we can can protect you. I will try. I will try. Well, hey, football season's over. Baseball season's coming. It's good. It's good. It's all right. The world champion Texas Rangers are right around the corner. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's a nice ring to it. Yeah, it does. It does. I never thought I I would be able to say that. I mean, (laughs) as a fan, I always hoped I would, but it's kind of one of those like, I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. And then it did. You want your hopes dashed. And now then it did. all your dreams have come true. They have mostly come true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not time to throw in the towel, buddy. Yeah. It has been cold, but your house survived the cold weather. I think all of our, I mean, we prayed for our church that things wouldn't go awry. The only one who seems so far who had any issues is Mark. Yeah. What do our, we do with our that? kids director? I don't know, man. He's probably, maybe the false prophecy you gave somehow passed on to him and God's judging us. Do we need to get of, the Erm and the Thummim out and see get if the there's Thurman a, out. a problem? With Uma Thurman, what do we do? Yeah, cast some lots. Yeah, I, so far though, everyone house, everyone's house that I know of did well. Even yeah. though it was really cold, it was so cool to see the first Texas snow for yeah. us as Californians. It was a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, it was really, really fun. <laughs> My 14-year-old, he grabbed a pot of water and went outside when it was like three degrees and just started turning our back patio into an ice rink. Wow. Yep. That's that's a great idea. And then he brought my dog outside and just laughed <laughs> as <laughs> he tried to Shadow, stand up. And Stanley, uh, Maverick, Maverick, Maverick. Yes, that's the one. Yeah, that's the one. Yep. Maverick. Yeah, named after uh, the Top Gun character. Oh. Yeah. Not the Dallas Mavericks. No. I thought it was one of those things. I like basketball in person. Like I'll watch it in person, but it doesn't really move the needle for me on TV. So I've never really gotten into it. Well, let's uh, let's go get courtside tickets, man. Yeah, let's do that. Let's yeah. do that. Yeah, we'll just mortgage at the church and 
We'll I, go out and I feel buy like if tickets. we invite someone from the church, we can call it a ministry expense. Yeah. I, well, I think that Angelo Trinidad guy, I think he knows some people with the Mavericks. Oh, well, I, I want court connections. Anything less than courtside, I don't want to go. Uh, oh, okay. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, hey, let's jump into Genesis uh, 16 through 18. I'm so ready. Genesis 16, uh, this is a controversial title, but you ready for this? Oh, no. Here comes the Muslims. Oh. Yep. Yep. Where, where in the text does it say well, that Ishmael is the forefather of the Muslims? How do? Because that's not you're you're joking, obviously, but lots of people believe that. Why do we believe that? Well, because of uh, of the the tenets of Islam. Islam teaches that the son of the promise of Abraham was Ishmael and not Isaac. In fact, uh, the Islamic people will largely agree with us on the course of human history up to this point. But when we come to the, the child of, of the promise between uh, Isaac and Ishmael, you've got uh, the, the Islamic people departing and saying, no, it was Ishmael who was the son of the promise and not Isaac, contrary to what the scripture says mm. over and over again in our text. Okay, there you go. But what happens here, and, and you see that the problem right away, hopefully, is you have a lack of faith emerge. This is more wavering faith. Remember, God had promised offspring to Abraham as part of the covenant made in chapter 15. And though we see some different things take place in the Old Testament when it comes to uh, marriages, and we see multiple wives in situations, we see situations like this, God's design was still the... the, the uh, the monogamous relationship. So that in mind, when God promised Abraham offspring, there should not have been a question as to whether or not that would come through Sarai. That was God's plan. Now, Sarai's faith wavered because of her age. Abraham's faith wavers because he's listening to his wife here. He agrees to to go along with her plan, takes Hagar, and uh, and because of that situation, uh, there is born to Hagar uh, a son who is outside of the, the line of promise, and that is this son, Ishmael, who uh, is not the child of the promise, but, uh, but the child of a, a, a wrong and sinful relationship between Abram and, uh, and Sarai's handmaiden, Hagar. Yeah, you might notice, too, in verse 2, uh, chapter 16, verse 2, the language is similar to what you read back in chapter 3. Abram listened to the voice of Sarai in the same way that um, in Genesis chapter 3. In fact, let me just skip on over here for you. Ch- Genesis chapter 3, verse 17, he said to Adam, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you should not eat it. You, you have the sense here of Abram abdicating his role as and responsibility as a leader. You should have said no. He should have said this is not the way that God wants us to do this. And it would have avoided a ton of pain. Huge. Huge amount of pain. And then for us as men in the family, men, we can we can do the same thing. We might look at Abram and say, why didn't you? Why did, you should have. But we should also take stock in our lives and say, am I leading the way that God wants me to lead? Or am I abdicating in any way whatsoever? Right. The consequences are painful. Right. They are. In fact, in four through six, this is just a messy situation brought on by this. The, the, the whole interaction then between uh, Hagar and Sarai, because Sarai becomes jealous and, and then Hagar despises her, her mistress because she thinks that she's better now, that she has, has this child that she's carrying on behalf of Abram. And, and there's a, just a, a mess that befalls this. Genesis 16, 7, though, you have the angel of the Lord show up 
and uh, speaks as God in 1610 and is recognized as God in, in verse 13 of chapter 16. So all that to say, who is the angel of the Lord? Well, not necessarily every time can we say this with full certainty, but the majority of the times that you see the phrase, the angel of the Lord, uh, this appears to be a pre-incarnate uh, version of Jesus, that this is that this is God in uh, in the visible form appearing to people before the incarnation. Why not just a general theophany as opposed to a Christophany? Which, by the way, just to explain our language here, uh, Christophany is an appearance, a pre, uh, pre-incarnation appearance of Christ, Christophany. Uh, we sometimes use the term theophany to say a an appearance of God, um, not necessarily indicating which one we're referring to, although most often we're going to say it's a Christophany. Why is that the case? Because passages like John chapter 4, where it says that God is spirit. And so when the angel of the Lord appears in bodily form, uh, the only member of the Trinity with a bodily form is Jesus, the Son. Right. Yeah. So that would be why we would argue that this is a Christophany rather than a theophany. Helpful. Yeah, so Ishmael's an interesting uh, prophecy here, uh, starting in verse 11. You shall call his name Ishmael. He shall be a wild donkey of a man. His hand is going to be against everyone. So everything that was promised about Abraham and his offspring being good and bringing blessing to people, it's it's really quite the opposite here. You've got one that's going to be uh, unrestrained, that he's going to be a man of conflict, a man of hostility, and he's going to dwell over against his kinsmen. And so he is not going to be a source of blessing to people, but a source of, of of pain like this is this is a, a bad situation and the 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 muslim uh, race does descend from the people uh, from the ishmaelites and so here you have a situation wherein uh, we're still seeing the 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 uh the, the problems with this and the outfall uh of of all of this still today in the the conflict between israel and uh and the the muslim people today you might take issue with the fact that abram sends out Hagar away from him. Right. That seems pretty messed up. You know, she has nothing to take care of. She no one to take care of her. She's only got her son. Um, and yet you'll notice in verse seven, it's, it's the Lord who seeks her out. It's the Lord who provides for her. It's the Lord who protects her. So when God gives the green light, he's not being dispassionate about, about Ishmael and Hagar. He cares about them and he continues to care for them. In fact, as you'll see, Ishmael leads a, a fulfilled, fulfilled, I guess is not the right word. He leads a, a, a full life is, is probably a better way to put it. God does bless him. He does bless that family line, although he's not the child of the promise, which is why he can't uh, in many ways compromise what's happening here. Right. Well, in Genesis chapter 17, then we get to the sign of the covenant. The sign of the covenant, the Abrahamic covenant. Fun. Yeah. Hey, listen, little ears, if you're, if you're listening in. Maybe, yep. maybe parents, you listen first yep. and decide whether or not you want them to hear this. Might be wise. So we're dealing with circumcision here and circumcision becomes the sign of the covenant. There's three parts of this chapter or this portion of this chapter, at least. The first one in verses four through eight, you're dealing with God's uh, promise here and, and God uh, addresses Abraham and, and gives him a new name. Instead of Abram, which meant exalted father, he was now going to be known as Abraham, which is the father of a multitude. And then he promises him offspring and land. These are repeated promises, things that we saw back in the, the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis chapter 15. And then in Genesis 17, 8, he's promised an everlasting possession of that land. So that's, again, we're talk, we've talked before about dispensationalism versus covenant theology. The future for Israel, the literal land promise we believe is going to be fulfilled literally for Israel, that they will have it as an everlasting possession because of passages like Genesis 17, 8, that we interpret literally not typologically, but literally that this is not a symbol, but this will be fulfilled by Israel. So that's God promises to Abraham verses four through eight. Then 
What's Abraham's part in this? Well, verses 9 through 14 have to do with the expectations on Abraham. As for you, he says, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generation. Verse 10, every male among you should be circumcised. Okay, so why circumcision? This is, parents, is, is maybe that, that point you want to, uh, uh, to, to screen. Uh, Bruce Waltke, one of the uh, the uh, commentators on the book of Genesis, uh, excellent commentator at that, made the point, he said this, the, the organ of procreation, to put it that way, is set apart. It's consecrated to God. Because this promise has to do with the offspring of Abraham, the sign is in the organ of procreation as a reminder, a visible reminder of God's promise to fulfill uh, the, the future blessing of the, the multiples of offspring that would come from Abraham, the multitudes. Uh, Deuteronomy 30 verse 6 then talks about the circumcision of the heart. And so we talk about baptism in the church as an outward expression of an inward reality. And here you have maybe a parallel there of the the physical act of circumcision uh, representing the spiritual act of circumcising the heart, removing the foreskin that the uh, from the heart. And, uh, and, and that could be an, another element there. Uh, and, and then again, just to, like I mentioned a, a moment ago, the, the visual representation, the visual reminder of what God was doing through his people. And so that's part of what's going on here with the why of circumcision. So also notice too, that circumcision is does have some continuity with baptism, but they're not the same. No, they are not. They are not standing on equal footing. Some of the differences you might be aware of is first and foremost, circumcision was given to all of the physical descendants of Abraham. That would include uh, Ishmael. I mean, that, that he would have been included in that. The 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 sons or uh, yeah, the sons of Keturah. Uh, Abraham's next wife. You also have, I mean, everybody, even servants, slaves are part of this too. The people that were brought into the family of Abraham, so to speak, were also circumcised. Right. Whereas in the new covenant, we don't do that for anybody and everybody. In fact, we're, we're very, uh, we're very strong in what we profess as credo Baptists. We are credo Baptists. Can you explain that, Pastor PJ, and why we're so firm in that? Yeah. So credo, the idea of of, of belief, right? Faith. So we are are those that believe that you baptize believers and not uh, not anyone else. Not pedo Baptists. Right. Not pedo. Pedo would be ba- baby baptized, ba- baby baptizers. Say that ten times fast. It's not easy. Better baby baptizers. Um, yeah, versus credo baptizers. So we baptize those that have a, a genuine profession of faith in Christ. They meet with us. They sit down. They go over their testimony with us. We ask them questions. They read uh, a couple books for us as well. So we, we want to make sure that to the best of our ability, now it's impossible for us to fully know the heart, but that this person is a true professing believer because we believe that that's the model that we see in the New Testament. We believe that it's believers, Christians who are being baptized. There are passages where it talks about uh, the whole household was baptized, but in context, there's a couple things there to note. Number one, we don't know the ages of those in the house. And so to argue that here's evidence for infant salvation because it says household is an argument from silence. There's implications being made. Right. And also in those passages, it's clear that the gospel is being proclaimed in the the immediate context of that of the baptism being brought to that household. So right. that would imply that there's a response to the ba- ba- to the uh, gospel, a, a, a belief in the gospel. So that's why where the difference comes in. We, somebody born into the church is not entitled to be baptized. It's uh, whereas somebody born into Israel was not just entitled to, but commanded to They're be baptized. Commanded, right. Uh, or to be circumcised. So there, there's where the, the discontinuity happens between this sign and the sign of baptism. And for those of our friends who are pedo baptists normally you're going to see this in the Presbyterian camp. A lot of our reformed friends are, in, are into this. In fact, some of our, our old friends from Compass Aliso Viejo moving to different churches are, yep. are now baby baptizers. Yep. 
And we still love them. We do. We think they're great people. We just think they're very wrong about the way that they read the covenants, in particular the Abrahamic covenant leading into the new covenant. So just a quick primer on that. There's much more we could say, but suffice it to say, this is not something that we carry over into the New Testament without a lot of discontinuity. Right. There's similarities, but there's a lot of changes. Yeah. Yeah. So I mentioned God and then Abraham, uh, God's the promise keeper. And then Abraham is uh, responding to this through the sign of circumcision. And then you've got the, the point for Sarai and Sarai has her name changed as well. And now her name is going to mean Sarah or is going to be Sarah, which means princess, which is interesting. But uh, one of the, the commentaries said it had to do with the fact that she was going to be the one that would bear kings. Kings would come from her her lineage. In fact, it says as much in Genesis 17, verse 16 there in our reading. I will bless her. Moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her. She will become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. So it's a, a, a name change that is an honorific title bestowed upon Sarai, now Sarah. And all of this is uh, is a reminder of the covenant. Now, we talked about it just recently, I think maybe even on the last episode or episode before that, whether or not this is a... Un, an unconditional covenant. It seems like God is providing conditions here to the Abrahamic covenant of circumcision, keeping the covenant. He even says as much and uses that language. Mm-hmm. And I was reading a, a, a book recently that commented on that and made this point. And I think it's helpful. He said, although there are sometimes conditional elements within these con- unconditional covenants, so conditions like this, hey, circumcision is required, uh, that require obedience. Abraham was told, go even, and we talked about that, I think. The final fulfillment of these covenants is certain, though, because it ultimately is based on God's faithfulness. So that's wherein uh, we would say this is still an unconditional covenant. Even though there are conditions provided here, the ultimate realization of the covenant is not based on Abraham's obedience because that wasn't conditioned at the outset. It's based on God's faithfulness to himself and his own word in promising those things. Seems like Israel's enjoyment of the covenant blessings are what's in mind here. Yeah. The fact that he can ex- they can experience God's favor and kindness is their side of the bargain. Yes. But the fact that it would happen is God's side. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we see in the rest of chapter 17, God's grace and his mercy upon Abram and, or Abraham, I guess at this point, and Sarah, because though uh, they had fallen into sin with the situation with Hagar and Ishmael, God is still going to hold up his end of the, the bargain and Sarah was going to have a child and that child was going to be uh, Isaac and Isaac is going to be born and that is going to be the one who will be the son of promise. Uh, and that is going to be the one through whom the, the covenant is going to be continued. Look at verse 19. God said, no, Sarah, but Sarah, your wife shall bear you a son and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. Verse 21, I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. So you, you see here that, that God is, is doubling down on his promise that it's going to be through Abraham eventually through Isaac, not Ishmael, that the covenant promises would continue. Verse 24, note uh, Abram, Abraham in his his age at circumcision, 99 years old. That's rough, man. That is that is rough, yeah. And the, the rest of his, the males in his household as well. Um, yeah, so. Well, let me point out this too. In, in chapter 16, the chapter closes with him being 86. Yeah. There's a lot of time, a lot of time that's passing by in these chapters that we're really not, quite aware of because we're reading so quickly. But yeah, yeah, he's 99 here. And Sarah is 90 years old when when she says, oh, am I going to have a child? That, that's crazy, man. Yeah. That's some old people. Yep. Yeah, which is part of the reason why the whole situation with, with uh, Hagar happened because she was looking at herself going, I'm past the, the age this of childbearing. This is impossible. Yeah. Maybe there's a parallel there for us in, in Christendom. 
trying to push God's promises along by finagling our own ways. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah, we get into trouble with that a lot of times, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Genesis 18, then, we get introduced to the region of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, you'll mm-hmm. remember Definitely. the situation where Lot chose to go off to the region of Sodom and Gomorrah. And uh, I think we already saw the situation where Lot had to be delivered. He was kidnapped and, and Abram came to his rescue. Uh, well, now we come back to focusing on Sodom and Gomorrah and uh, the angel of the Lord appears, or the Lord appears rather in chapter 18, verse one to Abram, Abraham. Man, I'm, I, I was calling him Abra, Abram. It's tough. I'm lost. Yeah, it's I'm, tough. I, it's being a pastor is hard. <sighs> Not as hard as being a prophet. I mean, <laughs> those true. guys get, get stoned. They do. Abraham receives the angel yeah, and- false prophets. Yeah, finds out that uh, the plan is to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham's heart goes out to these people, which is interesting to me because I I don't know that he really knows anybody there other than his nephew. But he's got this compassion for the people in this region. And he asks, hey, what if we find 50? And then he he starts to to go down. Abraham's pretty bold. In his uh, his pleading, yeah. yeah, here and God's mercy is is pretty extensive. He's willing to go even down to to ten people. Okay, if there's what if there's ten people? He's like, okay, fine. If there's ten people, I won't do it. And uh, and yet at the end of the day, um, there's not there's not even ten. Not even ten. Abraham stopped too soon. Yep. Yep. And so uh, chapter 19 and following, we'll find out what happens. But uh, in this situation, uh, it's things are not going to go well uh, for uh, for Abraham. I guess at the beginning of chapter 18, we did miss the uh, the situation of the, the question of why Sarah doubted the Lord. We were just talking about that a little bit a, a minute yeah, ago. Kind of floated around that. Yeah. Yeah. But Sarah laughs because of her age. And, and uh, that's why Isaac, when he is born, is named Isaac, which means son of laughter. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, man, so much going on in Genesis. Yeah, I'm, I'm editing myself on the fly so as not to make this thing longer than it needs to be. Yeah. But there's a lot here. There's a lot. There's a, anything, we got a couple minutes, anything specific that we, we jumped over that you want to hit? Okay, so I would love to spend time encouraging our people to be a lot more like Abraham in their intercession. Yeah. I mean, his boldness and his willingness to approach the throne of grace and to recognize God desires to answer those prayers. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he approaches God with the very idea that God wants to do uh, we want to do justice and mercy. And so he appeals to him and he gets God down from the number, whatever it was to, to, to 10. Now, granted he didn't go far enough. And certainly that's within the realm of God's providence. But when it comes to our church and your family and the people around you, man, this is the kind of wrestling with God in prayer that is noble and right and should be emulated. Abraham's called the man of faith. He is the man of faith. And that's because he, when he approaches God, he recognizes that God will answer. You might think, well, he's the, he's the patriarch. Yeah, of course, he's, he's the one by whom God would bless and send the whole nation. But that's not what James says. In fact, James doesn't use Abraham. He uses Elijah and says, Elijah is a man just like us. Yep. And yet he prayed and God responded. James chapter five. Go ahead and read that at some point today, but recognize God wants to, wants you to pray. I'm sure all of us would say I could do better this year in my prayer life and let Abraham encourage you to make the investment in praying because God answers. Yeah. God wants to answer. Yeah. That's helpful. That's a good application point for this, uh, this section. All right, guys, we'll keep reading your Bibles and, uh, come back tomorrow as we are in Genesis 19 through 21. More on Sodom and Gomorrah tomorrow. Please and thank you. Yep. Let's see you tomorrow. Bye. Bye. 
Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.